welcome to Elgamer the Podcast. As always, I am your host, Abdullah, and I have no idea what episode number this is. Doesn't matter. My guest today is, introduce yourself, good sir. My name is Tom Shock. And you might not might know Tom from one of those post one of those VA guys who likes to shit post on Twitter. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then I like to have fun. No, but I mean, that is just so interesting. Like, because I've talked to people who've done like a lot of um, like very facets of voiceover, like promo, animation, anime, what have you. But you're like, you're the first guy I've ever had on the show who's actually just done legit shit posting when it comes to VA shit posting. I'm not talking about like, you know posting up memes and shit i'm talking about like really going into committing to a bit and and just and just committing and i just love it well i appreciate the kind words but uh for for certain i'm not definitely not the only person uh to uh to you know put put in a little spin on some stuff when it comes to you know shit posting on the internet there's a lot of great guys who um uh, voice actors in general uh, who um uh do put their spin on things uh gianni comes to mind and he he's kind of like uh i consider him like a very top tier guy when it comes to him. he's he's uh he's great with his duke nukem reads and things like that i, I think i honestly kind of think of him as a, as a giant uh uh influence on the kind of landscape when it comes to that because his memes show up everywhere on tiktok it, it was used recently he had a, um the spike one where he's like i just want a woman who could fucking kill me you know oh i'm sorry are we, are we allowed to curse <laughs> i just said shit post dude i'm just all right i don't know you know like you know tv 14 you can say shit but you can't say fuck so i'm just making sure <laughs> i i'm trying to cover my tracks but um yeah um he, the, the, that one spike me where he goes i literally just want a woman to fucking kill me <laughs> that, that section got shared in, in a remix and that remix is going all over the place like he's he's somebody i think is great and and like 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 gianni I, I, I try to put out voiceover stuff, but we're all, both professional actors and we do professional work. And it's, you know, in a way, uh, part of I've gotten work because of memes I've made, because it's us putting our name out there. And it's a very unique way of indirect networking, because, you know, like I love to make people laugh. and I love making memes, uh, but it's also like a way for me to kind of show, hey, this is something I can do. I can edit this video. I can make uh, my voice match a certain way. I got a lot of. Uh, attention recently from this one uh it's such a stupid meme it's um i don't know if you saw it it was the um the maximals and Predacon. oh the beast i retweeted that because I'm, I'm such a huge uh beast wars fan i'm like oh god someone actually did it that's amazing it's there's been a weird i i if i had to guess why there's i've seen a lot of uh transformer stuff pop up recently probably because of a lot of the news with like a new movie coming out because of um uh, they uh, they had like the new Netflix one come out. So there's been a lot of talk about Transformers in general. And that came back to Beast Wars because that's considered a great entry. And I, out of curiosity, just out of coincidence, decided to check out Beast Wars for the first time since I was a kid. And it's it's pretty interesting a show. It's not just some like it's not just like, you know, like it, I mean, like, yeah, it's it's for kids as, as a kid's show. But like, you know, some of its moments are it's got some great voice work. It's got some fun dialogue bits. Um, and uh, uh, particularly the voice work, uh, Gary Chalk as Optimus Primal, 
and uh, uh, David Kay as Megatron. Like they stand out as like amazing performances. All, the, a lot of the performances there are great, but I attracted a lot to David Kay's Megatron. Yes, I was looking for an excuse to sound like I was. I, I'd been looking for an excuse to kind of play with it. So I, I just thought of um, for some reason stuck in my head is the phrase like maximize and terrorize. I just I thought those were entertaining phrases, and I was just trying to think of an idea to. As I just want an excuse to sound like those people. I just wanted to be like, I want to put, make a meme uh, that makes it sound like that. No, and, and that's pretty like creative because like this is what I love about these memes is like they're just so absurd and stupid. And and like, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Gianni, but like what I love about him is that what makes his Duke Nukem so funny is that it's basically just one joke in that what would it be funny if Duke said these like really stupid things and then it ends on a Megadeth riff and you know, you would think that it would get old after a while, but it doesn't every Duke Nukem video he puts out just, just, he keeps topping himself. And I'm just like, Holy fuck. Like this is like the, the, the first time, in years that Duke Nukem Duke Nukem has ever been relevant <laughs> and it's Duke Nukem lives a dual life now <laughs> we have Duke Nukem as we knew him from the games and then we have Duke Nukem the meme that is transferred from one person to another and we have this entire caricature flipping over the entire because the character originally is like this very hyper masculine badass and then you have him saying you know general phrases and and things that kind of go against the uh, the archetype of who might be attracted to that character, you know, like I love my wife. It's so like you know, like it's it's endearing, and it's also like you don't expect it from like a person with such a history of hypermasculinity. And it's it's and like in a way, I, I, like the one I think of Duke Nukem, I, I tend to it flips between uh, the guy from the video game and the guy I just heard on the internet, voiced by Gianni. And ironically enough, like. I was introduced to, to to Gianni's work via like someone shit posting a Duke Nukem video, like someone reposting reposting um my ass, your cock, you do the math, and I'm just like, <laughs> you do the math, and I'm like, who did that? Because that sounds amazing, and and I and I asked like who did that, and it's like, oh, this this guy does does these does these videos on YouTube, and they linked me to his YouTube channel, and I'm just like, and and I'm not kidding when i said it when i say i spent like maybe three hours watching nothing but gianni videos because i was just amazed at, at at his range and the quality of the jokes and, and just like who is this guy and why isn't he in more stuff you know He's fantastic. He uh, he he nails the Duke Nukem impression. He nails the Spike impression. His Steve Blum is is very good. It's legendary almost. It's like you know, like I think there was a couple of comments on something. Like, there was a promo for something that had Steve Blum's voice, and people were like, "Oh, I thought this was Gianni because he could get it so good." Yeah, that's 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 the thing is like when he did the whole Duke Nukem quote series, like a lot of people were confused. Were like, "Was is this John St. John?" No, <laughs> it wasn't because because I remember when those uh, when those started floating around, we're like, "Is is this uh, John St. John doing the Duke Nukem quotes thing?" Nope, it was it's a completely different person, and and people were shocked to find out that it was like someone completely different who just did a dead on Duke Nukem impression and. And like one of my favorite impressions that he does that's just dead on is Caleb from Blood. That just like it sounds exactly like the actor, and I'm just like, how? 
<laughs> is that possible? What's amazing is, uh, oh, what's the name of, I, I've been playing it. Um, it's a retro FPS. Um, it's, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, um, the, the guy wears a, like a, like a, a, a scarecrow kind of hat and, oh, I'm trying to think of what it's called. It's going to kill me if I don't remember this. Yeah, it's Caleb. Dusk. From, yeah, dusk. Dusk. Uh, uh, dusk. Sorry. Dusk. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was, it was Dusk. And, uh, like, like he, uh uh he's he's a big fan of uh retro fps as i know and i think there's like a uh, a mod of a game that included the character from dusk and his 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 his, his memes about that character are so iconic that he was brought on to be the voice of that if i recall correctly um and it just shows how influential not just how influential memes are but how how in a way like our contributions to our memes act as a sort of like it, it kind of markets our abilities to people in a way that you know like traditional advertising may not have expected you know because we're reaching people in a way that people can understand and can relate to because everyone likes a laugh but everyone like when they find out that that wasn't john st john it was another guy it's like whoa shoot what else can he do uh, and that's that's sort of and that's like a, a minor ambition that like I have is like I want to show people like all the different stuff I can do with my voice and and then hopefully that can lead to like a discussion of hey maybe they need somebody who sounds kind of like this if not an invitation of that maybe they just need someone who has that kind of range and there's little bits and it's not that like it's not the means to the end of that it's just like it's a it's a funny coincidence that it would get me the work uh, and because um, there was a job I got actually from one of my favorite creators on youtube uh do you know who uh, alpha boost is uh no i don't sorry um if you uh if you're if you're if anyone was big on warhammer 40k that'll be a name that comes up because he made the if the emperor had a text-to-speech device series um which is in in, in war are you familiar with warhammer 40k yeah i am but i'm just it's every time i try to look up anything related to the lore i'm like this is too confusing to, for me to, to understand it i'm just like the way i came to understand it better is because of his series his series is very funny, and in a way, it's kind of helped me understand uh, 40K lore. It acts like its own sort of explanation for the different aspects of the universe, and it even kind of gums up the explanations for why certain Primarchs went wherever and things like that. But yeah, the, the crux of that series is the, the God Emperor of Mankind. Uh, he's like this rotting skeleton on a golden chair uh, because his body is kept alive in a coma uh, through... Uh, this archaic but magic technology but he's no one knows if he's even alive or dead but in this series he's given a text-to-speech device and he's just extremely cranky and he's very like he's he constantly is like insulting people it's like what the hell did you do in my empire you did everything wrong and he's he's um like he's introduced by one of his guardsmen and uh, they have dialogues about the universe he's trying to play catch up on everything it's like this is all fucked up uh and it's very funny. It's how I got introduced to a lot of the Warhammer 40K lore. And uh, I made like this one video of um, of like a, like, a, like a parody of Warhammer 40K because I was going through a whole phase. It was a redub of uh, like the, the Uno copypasta. You know, like, you have Uno, you fucking dick. Like, uh, but I did it with Space Marines. And I did it in a style kind of similar to how he did it when he was starting out, just kind of like bouncing uh, 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 PNGs. And uh, uh, and I tagged him saying like it was entirely influenced by this this guy. Check him out, and he responded. He thought he, he seemed to really like it, and I was like flattered. And I was like, oh my god, he saw my thing. And some time later, we got to talking, and I and I ended up working with him on a couple of shorts. 
um, uh, uh, one of them, I was, I was a couple of space Marines at a couple of shorts and I, um, uh, there, there were other plans to collaborate again. Uh, unfortunately, he had to, um, he made the decision to go into indefinite hiatus after like a policy change with Games Workshop. There's like a whole thing now where uh, they have like a zero tolerance policy on fan created works because there could be like legal repercussions. I think they're trying to like promote a service or something. I don't know what the exact reason that made that decision was, but uh, he, uh, Alpha Busa made the decision to go on indefinite hiatus to prevent the risk of, you know, legal action, even though he doesn't even though it's not like for profit or anything, it's uh, you, you technically fit in the fair use category. A lot of people w- would say it's just that, you know, for the safety of the content and for avoiding trouble, uh, they stopped. And it's unfortunate because there's a lot of great content that comes from uh, the Warhammer 40K community. There's also that uh, I haven't seen them in a long time. I saw like the first two episodes a long while ago, but there's like this short CGI series that looks amazing. Uh, and I, uh, I forget the name of it off the time I had, but like, if you look up like Warhammer 40k stuff, you'll find some amazing stuff. And um, it's unfortunate that uh, people might be inclined to be hesitant about it because of like that policy change. I mean, it totally sucks because I remember like, even though I'm not a huge Warhammer 40k guy, like I see it everywhere and I see like a lot of these really great fan creations. I remember like seeing a couple animated shorts that were really well done. And it's kind of sad that, um, the games workshop is now like, Hey, we kind of don't want you guys doing that sort of stuff. Cause, um, we're, we have, we have our, we have our own ideas of what we want to do with the property and it doesn't involve, um, you know, we don't want people getting confused, you know, and seeing like a fan animation and confusing it with, um, an official product. I mean, I think that happened. Warhammer 40 K confusing people. <laughs> don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Star Wars with depression. What else is there to get? <laughs> God. No, <laughs> That's no, what I always I mean, tell people. <laughs> no, but I mean, it happened like, cause I remember this, there was this huge deal about like someone doing like a SpongeBob anime short and they got in trouble with Nickelodeon or something. And Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've worked with them too. Uh, it's they're like the SpongeBob anime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. I because I, I look because whenever I hear companies doing that, I'm like, you know, anybody who watched that anime uh, parody isn't going to confuse it for an actual episode of SpongeBob. Okay, <laughs> we're not that fucking stupid. I don't know why corporations think we're that fucking stupid that we can't tell the difference between an actual SpongeBob episode and a fan created anime parody on YouTube. If I had to guess, I mean, like with the SpongeBob thing, the uh, people don't want to um, like the attention. Though I think if I had to think like a businessman, like if someone's making a a um, uh, like with the SpongeBob anime, it's from uh, from the guy Narmak, who I've also uh, I did the Legend of Scooby Doo with him. Uh, I was uh, 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 the buff dog in that, and it was a lot of fun to make. But like when it comes to like if a, if a corporate guy is looking at a SpongeBob anime. Uh, adaptation they're thinking oh an entire 15 minute segment of spongebob that could be going towards our stuff it's it's it's, it always comes down to the money about it and that's what kind of sucks about it because you got passion projects that are just trying to share the love of of of, of creation and um a similar conversation a similar conversation kind of exists with um fan games and stuff like that um nintendo i know has gotten a lot of um 
a lot of of uh, criticism for the way that it handles like an extremely no tolerance policy, um, uh, and and um, like and with when it comes to fan animations, I it's like it, it, it you would think you would think it would just be like basic promotion for them. If I like Dragon Ball Z and I want to make like a Dragon Ball Z animation, and suddenly Toei had an issue with it, um. Or something like that. Like you, uh, the logic I would have for for thinking that in fair use would be fine is because it's, uh, it's at, at the very least promoting the product. That's what I would think. Um, but I know it could get complicated. I know it could get really weird, especially if it's just like you know putting up the episode is one thing. But uh, if um, if it's a different art style, like with the SpongeBob thing, it's almost an entirely different art style. It just happens to use uh, different. Um, it just happens. You know, it happens to use characters from from Nickelodeon. But there's a lot of cartoons that get away with that on on YouTube and and and, and on YouTube specifically, I would say. Well, yeah, because every every animator has their own specific style, and most of these parodies are just like really, you know, adult in in nature, and no one's gonna look at look at those and confuse them for the real product. Like for for fuck's sake, there are just so many like. So many R-rated My Little Pony cartoons you can find on YouTube that feature gore and swearing and all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't find on the show. And yet Hasbro's like, ah, eh, whatever, who cares? You know, we, we can people can tell the difference that between uh, a, a, a fan a fan animation and an actual episode of the show. I think it comes down to just the attention and where it goes and, and who it drives. Um, who would drive? I think it, I think it comes down to where the attention goes to because if you're giving attention, say like with the MLP cartoons, um, if someone is spending time not watching Hasbro's stuff, they might have a problem with it because that's money that could be going to them if they are watching their stuff. And um, when it and they, they say like somebody, um, the risk of somebody making money all of a sudden that doesn't belong to them, um, uh, like I, I can I can empathize with the idea of somebody making money off of something I made and me being kind of pissed off about it, like just even on an individual level. Um, um, but as far as like a nonprofit animation thing that just shows, uh, you know, attention to detail on a series that happens to be owned by, say, like whether it's Hasbro or uh, Nickelodeon, um, like we, we as artists want to be able to get away with, you know, making a parody because we have funny things we want to say about the things that we care about. We, we, we're going to find excuses to want to, uh, but the, le- the there are going to be legal things that come along with it to be careful about. Years ago, I, I got a lot of hits on a, on a Pokemon parody I made and people wondered, why didn't you monetize it? It's because it doesn't belong to me, the characters. And I didn't want to risk them getting pulled off because I thought of making a quick buck. And that was at a time that even if I could get, a, if I could have gotten away with it, and I monetized, I probably could have gotten some decent change in my pocket. It's just, you know, I didn't want to risk it. I didn't want to risk it getting taken down. I was too proud of it. I didn't want to get banned off of YouTube. I, I wanted to show people stuff. Especially when you're dealing with a Nintendo IP and they're kind of notorious when it comes to, you know, copyright yeah. infringement. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised even without the monetization that they haven't come after those videos. Or, or uh, they, I'm sure uh, other videos have had to deal with that before. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I think also like they might also be protective of the content quality in, in terms of like uh, content. Like you mentioned the MLP cartoons having blood and cursing and stuff like that. If a kid finds uh, Eagle Raptor's old pokey awesome cartoon, you just see 
of Pikachu just cursing, the kid's going to be, might start cursing too. It was like, I was watching a Pokemon cartoon. Someone's going to get mad and then they're going to get calls that they don't want to have. There's probably things that don't have to get considered that people, uh, when, it com- when it comes to the repercussions of, of the legality of things. But even then, like like you mentioned, I would say that people would be able to tell the difference between what's parody and what isn't. But uh, I think I think they're just trying to protect themselves, and it's 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 not a thing I totally understand. But it's you know I try I don't try to cause trouble. Yeah, I mean it's it's understand. I mean at the end of the day, like you kind of need to be careful when it comes to parody because you never know how companies are going to respond. Like some some companies are going to be like, okay, whatever, and others are going to be like, oh no, <laughs> you know, you can't use our. You can't imply Bugs Bunny's a rapist in your parody. We're gonna take that shit down. <laughs> oh right, with uh, with Meat Kids, uh, yeah, Meat yeah. Canyon, yeah, Meat Canyon. I'm sorry, yeah, Meat Canyon. Um, I was thinking I, I mixed it up with Worthy Kids, who is also a, a Worthy Kids. I, I love his stuff. Uh, uh, Meat uh, Meat Cannon, like that's his stuff is so creepy. It's so very creepy. Uh, but a lot of but there's a lot of um attention that goes into that and um. Um, so, uh, like, um, I, like, I don't, I don't see how, other than the fact that they might be concerned with like the particular content, why they would pull away from, uh, pull that thing. But even then, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, I don't know what we're, I don't know where legality comes in, in terms of things that might be controversial. Like if you just happen to take a cartoon character that's owned by somebody and make them say a controversial thing uh if it's under fair use it's one thing but what gives say warner brothers the right to pull me Kenyon's video because bugs bunny is an absolute creepy jackass you know um i i mean i i just don't get it like out of all the stuff he's mocked and ironically enough he's done parodies of Ed, Ed and Eddie and other shows owned by Cartoon Network, you know, which is, you know, owned by Warner Brothers, you know, and they had no problem with, you know, those parodies. Why? Why Bugs Bunny of all things? Like why? <laughs> like kids today don't give a shit about Looney Tunes. I mean, I remember when, um, you know, when Space Jam 2 came out, I, I went on this whole rant on Twitter and it's like, who is this movie for? Because kids today don't give a shit about looney tunes and this movie does a poor job of introducing these characters to 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 these to to a younger generation and adults don't give a shit you know adults are too busy complaining about elmer fudd not having a gun to really give a shit about like watching any any looney tunes related content to begin with so it's like who is this movie for you know i don't know it's funny because that's if we're talking about space jam 2 um it's it, kid. I don't know to what extent kids don't care about Looney Tunes because if I had to think of one thing about the Warner Brothers, why they would pull Bugs Bunny specifically, of uh, uh, why why they would pull away that cartoon with Bugs Bunny specifically is because um, that he's even 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 today, Bugs Bunny is their flagship character. He is the he has always been the face of Warner Brothers, whether or not people would know him. Uh, at least, uh, at least in newer generations, because there, are, there's always going to be somebody who knows Bugs Bunny, and by extension, somebody of the newer generations is going to find out about Bugs Bunny, and they are reintroducing the Looney Tunes stuff ever since Space Jam Two. Uh, and it's funny too because if kids really didn't care about the Looney Tunes that much, that would be a detriment to Space Jam Two. And you got adults who kind of are—they've—I feel like there's a kind of a rite of passage 
to becoming an adult where you realize that Space Jam 1 was not all that great a movie. Where it was oh. just a giant commercial where it's not it's not. I mean, how do you feel about Space Jam 1? Before oh, I no, turn, I, I, I fucking hate it because it's it has the same problems as Space Jam 2. It's like, you know, I can because I had this real this terrible realization that I can, you know, give Space Jam 2 a lot of shit for being a soulless commercial, just one giant commercial. But then it's like, wait a minute, wasn't the original Space Jam just one giant commercial for fucking Michael Jordan and Nikes? <laughs> you know? Pretty much. It's like um like the first film, it's a lot of its charm comes from nostalgia, unfortunately. And in, in, in revisiting it several times, I've come to find that uh it's it doesn't even really utilize the Looney Tunes to their full extent. It, it's it seems like somebody who's known of the Looney Tunes, but like some of the jokes they make are not jokes. They're just them doing and saying like certain things in a weird way. And that's the same thing with Space Jam too. And you'd think that over 20 years of hindsight might give you an introspective and kind of meta sequel, which they do. They get a little meta at certain points, but it's never fully fleshed out. Uh, I was not upset or offended by space jam two. Uh, it's just, it's just very forgettable for me personally. And as an adult, what I was going to say is that uh, the kids may not it, uh, at worst won't care about it. Cause they don't really know Looney Tunes. And even the adults who know about it know well enough that it might just be another cash grab like space jam one was. Especially after hearing from word of mouth that, that that's basically what it was. Yeah, I mean, and that's my problem with it is like, you know, why can't you just make a Looney Tunes movie? It's just like, why are they just used as a vehicle to shell out like other products? Like it makes, it just makes no sense. And I just, I don't get it. I mean, I get that you're trying to market stuff to kids and you're trying to use something that imagery that... um kids would recognize like, oh, it's Bugs Bunny and he's wearing Nikes. I want Nikes or, or what have you. And it's just like, come on, guys, come on. Like I get I get that you need to sell shit and I get that, you, you know, you're a corporation and you kind of need to to um, shill out your products like, hey, you know, here's Bugs Bunny dressed as Batman. Here's uh, Daffy Duck dressed as Superman. You know, just, and uh, God, here's Wonder Woman for no reason. Just, just, oh God, it's so stupid, so stupid. And here's Rick culture and... references are very tricky now because it's such an oh, it's such a done trick at this point, especially in the way like watching those particular spoofs felt like things I would have seen in a early in like a mid two thousands movie. And uh, it just feels it feels kind of done, and and it's it's disappointing they didn't utilize. I mean, like, for what they were, they were fine. But it's just, like the overall bit in and of itself of like, you know, oh, Elmer Fudd is Mini-Me and uh, uh, Austin Powers. But uh, I think if from a corporate decision, they had they had the assets at their disposal. They wanted to attract people who would know about the films, which you know, kind of ties into what you were saying before about who is the movie for. Because it definitely feels like it was meant for people who have seen Space Jam 1. People were old enough to remember Austin Powers, remember The Matrix, but they also were at the age we don't really care that much about The Matrix or Austin Powers. Well, I, I can't say that. I, I uh, there's still people that like The Matrix a lot, you know, and people might. I, I don't talk to a lot of people every day about uh, about Austin Powers, but um, uh, they're, 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 they'd be fun little tricks to see. But it's it doesn't. It doesn't warrant um, an entire. I don't know. It's it's just it's just kind of shallow the movie felt shallow it felt like 
in terms of utilizing their assets, it was the easiest possible route instead of something more expressive and creative and more fleshed out. Yeah, I mean, I almost wanted to turn the movie off after that Rick and Morty like cameo. I'm like, wh- why? I mean, I it's get because it. they're popular. I get why they put it. I, I didn't even know that they. I, I didn't piece together that they had the rights to it. But I was like, okay, I guess I guess somehow they do. And uh, for whatever connection they have to it, uh, they have. Uh, and it's like, okay, they're trying really hard to let people know that this has things that they like, but it's all. It felt very surface level. Like it's, I'm not even offended by it, but it's just like I'm disappointed that not more was done. Like if you're gonna have Rick and Morty in this movie. Um, they could have made a joke about how they're not allowed to curse because it's a PG movie or something like that. I don't know. Like, I thought that would have been funny. I mean, you have Rick Sanchez who has been, who has been, who is this like guy who constantly leans in on the fourth wall. They could have made, they easily could have had a joke where he could have been like, you know, Morty, uh, or, uh, Morty asks him, what, what are they doing there? And he's like, well, we are filling out a con- contractual obligation or something like just something something that he would do but it's but it's just hey we don't want this tasmanian devil he's your problem now bye where's the joke <laughs> contractually <laughs> a contractually obligated crossover bird up and he just leaves i don't know like uh, even that would have been just kind of uh, a little bit of self-awareness would have done this movie a lot that and it was sprinkled in with the fact that oh we brought Michael Jordan and having Michael B Jordan come in was that was funny but like then it didn't do anything else it was just kind of like poking it like haha we don't actually have Michael Jordan I wonder why Michael Jordan didn't show up here do you think they asked him and he just said no he's just like hell no I'm not getting involved with this <laughs> well, uh, well, originally... I'm done I did this in the nineties people make fun of me for this already well originally like um. I found this out today, but originally they did plan on doing a sequel way back in the nineties, but, um, Jordan said no, but, but, but they still kept it in production because of Warner brothers producer lied and said, he said yes. So they just kept it in, in, in development hell until, you know, Jordan's people told them, Hey, fucking stop it. You know, he said no already. Just, just, just stop it. Just stop it. Get some get help. Greedy. Now because of that, he's got a spite against him. He could have showed up in the sequel if they weren't so spiteful. Yeah, and and Damn. God, it's just it's just it's such it's such a weird movie. But like like I said, I don't understand like when it comes to how corporations handle their intellectual properties. I mean, I get that you want to be protective about about your property. I get that. Like I get that if you're working on a Disney show, you can't like do you can't make videos where like you know your character says like really obscene things online. I get that, but at the same time, it's like you know what is and what isn't okay for when it comes to fan content. And it actually kind of makes me think. I've been seeing posts on Twitter of people expressing uh, their discontent and their disapproval. Of this is coming from artists who have characters that they originally create, and they say, "Hey, listen, I don't think it's cool that you guys make these characters I make into not safe for work um, related content." And in a way, I empathize with that, like because because uh, uh, people don't want to. I, I I can understand I can understand why somebody wouldn't want that. Um, but then it, it comes down in the discourse of things like, should somebody are people technically allowed to do that? Is it simply a um, uh, uh, an unwritten courtesy to simply not do that. They, they, I, there's, there's some unwritten rules as far as the etiquette of fan art. 
which I understand. Like if you share art, you always credit. You know, it's um. I always I always try to find the credits of people when I, if I find something really cool, I, I make I try to make an effort of that because I've had content of mine shared all over the place. One of the most viral things I ever made uh, was only viral because somebody else ripped it and posted it without my name on it. So it, it's it's the internet can be unpredictable, and but it, but you try what you can to you know give fair due credit. Yeah, but and and I just I remember it's funny you mentioned that because not too long ago I was looking looking through through various like um through Google image search for like fan art because I wanted to to find because I had this cuz I had like um what was it um I had this idea for something and I kind of wanted to look for like specific fan art and I had in and I wanted to to find the specific picture but it took me like hours and hours and hours just to just to find it and when and then when I did I'm like I find it on on a, on a Twitter blog on, on a Twitter account and the person just uploaded on onto their Twitter account and they didn't credit the artist I'm like but I want to find the artist who drew this because I want to I want to see if they want to draw something similar to it and it's just uh, it's it's a pain in the ass I'm just like why even post that if you're not going to credit the artist you know didn't Elon Musk get in trouble for exactly this where someone's like hey can you credit the artist and he pretty much just said no I'm pretty sure every celebrity does that now where it's like, <laughs> no. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, there was this one guy. There was this guy who did, like, the, these art things. He did these portraits of, like, these lions and very decorative things. I forget the name of the artist, but I know somebody, like, took their designs and started selling merchandise with them. And at first, I think it was Aaron Carter. I think Aaron Carter took someone's design. Which uh, before I start, trash Aaron Carter. Let me make sure. Aaron Carter shirt allegedly. <laughs> uh, artist calls out Aaron Carter for ripping off his artwork. Yeah, like um, there was like some guy. He made like this uh this this art, and then uh, Aaron Carter apparently did something. He was trying to like sell the art on a T-shirt, and the guy's like, "Hey, can I?" Can we work something out? And he was like, "No," or something like that. And there's like a whole there was a whole legal suit that happened. And yeah, there was like an arrogance to that whole situation that you know a lot of people found pretty gross. Now I remember um, uh, a wrestling fan did like fan art of someone, and and the person like uploaded on onto their account, and then the artist was like, "Hey, message them, can you credit me?" And and she's like, "No." She went on this whole like tirade on Twitter where it's like. Oh, uh, people were attacking me because I did nothing wrong. All I did was just post fan art, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> the people are calling you out because uh, when the artist said, "Can you please cre- credit them?" you just denied them and blocked them. So, it's just so I don't, I don't understand why people do that. I really don't. People share fan art. Maybe they can't find the artist, and they put it up, and they say, "Hey, somebody, if anyone knows the artist, and they find the artist, and he tags them." Or if it was like, you know, just instantly, oh, I like this art. They just put up quickly without thinking much about the credit. Then the guy or person comes and they say, hey, can you credit me? And the the respectful thing would be to credit. So I don't know where the arrogance would come from where people feel like they shouldn't do that. Like what what do they what kind of ego do they gain from posting something that isn't theirs, you know? Especially when it comes to like um, because I I remember like seeing like this other Twitter, Twitter, Twitter account that was posting like fan fiction and stuff like links to fan fictions and stories. And they took someone else's artwork and they just altered it and just like put a watermark on it. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I've seen this artwork before. You didn't draw this. This is drawn by someone else. Do, do they know this? Do they know that you're, they're used? Do they know that you're, um, 
using their art without permission and of course you know they blocked me after that but uh you know That's it is what it is well i hope uh i hope the original artist uh you know finds out <laughs> i'm pretty i'm pretty sure they they already have because i'm pretty sure like most of the replies are hidden and i'm pretty sure like <laughs> it's because people are pointing out that um you know the artwork is stolen <laughs> so yeah I just don't understand why people do that. It's like, hey, if you want to commission art artists for 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 stuff, cool. I do that, and I always pay them. And if I'm going to post that, post anything on my Twitter when it comes to art, I make sure to credit the artist. So I don't know, and and it it doesn't take take me that take me take me um take me that much effort to do. It's just like, hey. Check out this cool piece of fan art. It's drawn by so and so. Check them out on their social media or whatever. Done. Two seconds. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah. I can understand if somebody if somebody found a meme and it's hard to track where it came from. Uh, but like you know, like I feel like you know, um, some memes uh, Google search will do ju- do you just fine. Uh, but in in the confrontation of find that credit at the very least, you credit. Oh, I, 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 if I ever find something that um, is is for the art's sake or f- like for a like, meme that involves certain materials, I would try my best to uh, let people know. For exactly what you mentioned before, uh, for exactly what you mentioned before, um, when it comes to like like, hey, this person's art looks really cool. Maybe somebody would like to commission them for something similar. Same would go for the voice work or for the particular editing skills that go into something. I try to I try to do everything myself so I don't have to um uh worry worry so much about um you know like like missing that opportunity to uh, like like if uh, if I ever order somebody I would absolutely always give them credit. I try as, the best I can to do everything on my own so that way I know exactly where it came from. It all came from me and that it just saves a lot of lot of um lot of trouble I I feel like. Well yeah, I mean cuz it got even memes now, even like people repost memes and post like really terrible watermarks on them. And I'm just like, why do that? Like, why do that? It's just so stupid. <laughs> like I made no, a meme. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. I made a meme recently that, um, well, not recently, maybe a couple of months ago that involved um, like particular dialogue and things. I had a big watermark in the corner because I don't want it to be in the middle or anything. Cause I don't want it to like screw things up, but I've seen it reposted where it zooms in past the watermark and it literally cuts out necessary information from the meme. Uh, and it's like, what, what, what's the even point of doing that? Why would you like part of the reason why I made that size was to make it more difficult to appreciate it. If you try to cut it out and then it like, I don't know. I just like they, they still did it anyway. If for whatever reason it's because put it up and it, it drives attention to their channel for other memes. And like, Okay, if you're trying to share stuff, that's one thing, but um, it, it would help the creators to to have the things tagged. Like me, I don't I don't hold it personally too much against myself or even against other people when it comes to like the aftermath. Like, hey, it turns out this is mine, or and and so I, I have a couple of friends and even some colleagues uh, who I don't hardly even talk to, but they'll they'll tag me and stuff. And that I'm in, I'm like, oh shoot, someone shared it, and it's like in a way, it's it's flattering to know someone found it funny enough to put up. Um, uh, it just, I, sometimes I would worry about that situation where someone's like, no, it's, I've luckily never been in a situation yet where someone tried to take credit for my work. 
that's something I would be a bit more um, a bit more defiant against. Like, hey, no, actually, it's it's my stuff, you know. Oh no, I remember this one story about this artist I follow where they had their art stolen by someone and they made like a not safe for work edit of it and they got called out for it and I'm just like why would you do that? Like why would you take something that's like a safe for work picture and try to make like a not safe for work version of it, a poorly made not safe for work version of it and claim that it's that that you're the one who drew it? Like that is just really disgusting. Oh, you're saying they they took a regular they took a particular piece of art, then basically retraced it as not safe for work and claimed that as their totally original design. Yep. There's a couple of steps along that way, several steps beyond the fact that they're making it beyond its original intention, but uh, also the fact that they would claim that the design themselves was there. That's that's a that's a huge thing, and especially if this is a person who made the content who does not want their characters made in a certain way. It just comes off. It will come off as disrespectful. Yeah, it's really disgusting, and I don't know why people do that. It's just like, come on, man. I mean, I understand if it's like tracing like screen caps from a TV show or whatever. That's like that's whatever. That's a company owns that. They don't. They don't give a shit. But if it's like, yeah, let Warner Brothers deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of uh, you know, I say that, but um, you know, considering the whole Lola Bunny thing was started because of fucking fan art, then you know, yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, it fooled me. I was like, I don't remember it quite like that. I remember that shit. Maybe it's a promo from like back way when, but no, that was a very convincing uh piece of fan work that people start sharing around. Like, look what they did to my Lola. Well, first off, buddy, first off. There's a couple of issues in general with how Lola Bunny was portrayed in the original movie. And a design change is not, uh, I don't know. It, it was just a whole, that, that was, that was interesting to, to see. That was interesting to see how people reacted to that. It was like some of the most stupidest thing imaginable because it's like, who cares? It's Lola Bunny. She's a character that, um, the only incarnation of Lola Bunny that was funny was the Looney Tunes show version, and that was it. Very funny. <laughs> Kristen Wiig voiced uh, Lola Bunny in that, right? Yeah. I love her work. Um, but yeah, like, um, Lola, uh, ironically enough, for whatever, whatever, uh, if, if you ever did, if there was a dissection on problematic things about Lola Bunny and I found the way that she was basically just there to be eye candy for characters and the audience. Um, there's uh, there was at least expression that wasn't present in in the Space Jam too. Uh, they pretty much nerfed her entire character because uh, you know, because it, 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 everyone's talking so much about the design, but like as if it's like oh people trying to be um, you know like more like like yeah look look how progressive we are by not sexualizing. Like, okay, that's I understand where you're coming from with that, but they also didn't really do much with her character. So all the, all that all that um, posturing about trying to make like a more a better lola didn't it didn't it didn't it didn't prove too much no one was really satisfied because uh like they didn't do anything with her character in the first place to to commemorate the new design yeah she was just there she's just like oh we need another ball player oh i know someone it's lola and she just spends the movie being just she spends the rest of the movie being another member of the team who's interchangeable from the other members because they don't have any personalities. They're just one note. It's like, because, you know, 
Because if you're not Bugs uh, to, Bunny, uh, to, 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 to make know. a distinction, um, the voice work is perfectly great. The guy who does the voices of the different Looney Tunes, or well, if it, I, I think it's one guy, they got to do a bunch, right? It was um, Eric Bauza and Jeff Bergman who did. The yeah, voices. no, they they did great work in terms of the voices. Um, but uh, the only real character that stood out among the Looney Tunes was Bugs for a bit, because he had this entire element. He had he had a, he had a story arc where he he missed his friends and he was willing to kind of manipulate the course just so he could get his family back and they never really built on that they never really addressed it that he just kind of his motivation for helping was to get all his friends back and there was no fight about it there was no conflict about it you just saw him kind of do it and they get everyone together but there was no I think there was like a little line from LeBron like hey yeah I got your family together or whatever. Uh, but there was no like, wait a minute, you're not trying to get the best teams. You're just trying to get all these Looney Tunes together. It's like, but there, I, I would have liked to see a dynamic Bugs Bunny in that film. Um, and uh, the the big thing he does at the end is kind of just like, I wish there was more of an explanation for why he would do what he does. Like as a character, like what would drive him to do that? You know? Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. And you, and you mentioned again, that's, that's another problem I had with it is just like, okay, we need, I want to get my friends back together, but like, there's no conflict between any of his friends. They just like go along with it. They're just like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, just like, again, you think you would think that the hindsight of 20 plus years of nostalgia would give people the material to make something, you know, just like, like very, like they could play a lot. I feel like they could have played with all the time that they had away. And they just didn't. Yeah, it's like, you know, you would think that there would be like, you know, again, Bugs and Daffy, like they're rivals and friends. And, you know, they would you would think that they would play off each other. But no, Daffy just goes along with it. And it's like, OK, what what do we we what do, what do we do with him? Oh, he's just the coach who just yells at people. OK, I got to I got to check out Looney Tunes back in action. It's been because I used to watch that a lot as a kid, but I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> And it, remember, that's been coming yeah. up a lot as like a good entry, like a good live action Looney Tunes movie. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it's 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 direct. It's it's a lot better, you know, thematically because it's directed by Joe Dante, and you know, Joe Dante did Gremlins and and a bunch of other movies. And you know, I gotta revisit those too. <laughs> I haven't seen those movies in a while. Yeah, I think I only saw the first one. Yeah, I mean, it feels more like uh, the Looney Tunes version of Gremlins 2. So, you know, if you like Gremlins 2, then you'll probably like Looney Tunes back, back in action because it's basically the same, like, uh, formula. <laughs> Although I do I do find it funny that <laughs> my favorite gag in, in Looney Tunes back in action is the um, Matthew Lillard and Shaggy gag. Like, yeah. That was just so well done because, oh, man, talk about foreshadowing. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's funny, and the the guy, uh, um, he ends up becoming the the voice of Shaggy, like uh, after after the passing of Casey Kasem. Yep, <laughs> that is that is funny hindsight. I I I, I just remember that scene now. You know, that's a, that's I love that scene. It's because for one thing, I always really liked Casey Kasem's voice. I just really always liked his voice. I mean, if you if you grew up listening to America's Top Forty, you you would um you'd be used to his voice and his delivery. Yeah. But like even hearing his normal voice, you hear the small cadences of what makes Shaggy uh, a voice. And we hear a lot of, um, there's like a lot of impressions will go around about Shaggy, but there's a particular kind of cadence to Casey Kasem's natural voice 
that I wish I could capture if I was doing a, uh, a Shaggy impression. It's kind of like the same thing that you, you'll hear a lot of variants of like a goofy impression, but Bill Farmer has such like a, like a delicate uh, deepness when it comes to his impression, of, uh, when it comes to his goofy, um, that it's, it comes down to the fact that his natural voice allows him to do that. And there, I, I imagine there's a lot of natural voices that could get there too. It's just, it's so hard to, 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 to imitate uh, what comes so naturally to, to, to someone like Bill Farmer with Goofy or Casey Kasem with, with Shaggy. Yeah, because like my problem with a lot of Shaggy, you know, impressions is that they do the typical. You know, it was a hard voice to imitate. You know, it's a, a voice I always felt should. You know, it's a voice I always wanted to imitate myself, but I know I never could. Which one? Um, Phil Harris. Oh, that's tough. Oh, that is. Phil tough. Harris has such like a. I love his voice. I loved him as Baloo and as O'Malley the Alley Cat. Uh, and, um, like he has like that, like he has a voice, like John Wayne just smoked a huge joint, you know, like it's just, it's so cool and relaxed Wayne, if he was confident about just kicking it back, like, yeah, you know, um, the one per close, I, I recall in recent memory was, um, the voice actor for Raymond Tailspin. Cause that was a different guy. I think that was shortly after, um, Bill Howard's passed. But the voice actor for him and Tailspin also did really good at capturing that that blue essence. Yeah, that, that God, that's a tough um, that's a tough voice to do. And I yeah, think about it, <laughs> it's 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 very particular. The kind of, that that's the kind of cadence that um, that I I only hear from Phil Harris or even like that. Um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel shitty for not remembering his name. Tailspin blue actor, Ed Gilbert. Ed Gilbert, yes, he he does a great Baloo. I personally believe, uh, and uh, he, I think he he did a lot of justice for Phil Harris's version of it. Yeah, but no, that's a that's a really tough voice, and 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 you don't see Disney bringing that character back because like who would? <laughs> no one can do do a good Baloo. There's got to be it. somebody. There's got to be somebody in the world right now who can sound like John Wayne high. Like somebody has to be able to do that. I got to believe there's still a voice out there like that, man. Because it's it's so hard to find another voice like that. And we got, we got like, what, 7 billion people around here? Let's find somebody. <laughs> Just 7 but, billion. But there's not anyone who's like, hey, you know, Baloo's a fun voice to do. Everyone wants to do like the, you know, goofy Donald Mickey. But no one wants to be like, ah, you know who, who, who's a fun character to do? Baloo from the Jungle Book. I think he's an unsung kind of. I think he's an, un, an unsung hero among uh, voice impressions because that's that is a really hard one to capture. I think you know it's a lot of fun too. Um, George Sanders is Shere Khan. I, I grew up loving the Jungle Book. That's low key one of my uh, favorite Disney movies growing up. Uh, and Shere Khan, I liked a lot because of his like he had he was he was a tiger who you assume would be vicious, but he's very calm and collected and calculating. And you just like, like, I don't need to raise my voice. I'm just going to kill you. Like, <laughs> I, and I always really liked that. It was like, he had a, uh, he had a real growl to his voice without even having to like be angry about it, which is funny because the, the Shere Khan from the book, the original book, the movie was based on it, is totally different. Honestly, my favorite Shere Khan is Tony J from Tailspin. Tony Day, Tony is great. Yeah, he carries the he carries the same kind of element that George Sanders had, and he I, he was that's the sort of thing he was trying to imitate. And he does that extremely well. 
Um, Tony Jay has had a great voice. Um, I, uh, I I fancied George Sanders um, was a, a film I always really liked. Um, and, and some other of his work I, I can't remember right now. Um, but uh, George Sanders always had that voice, like that very fa- that very fancy old uh, Hollywood British voice that you always hear. Um, and I always just really liked trying to imitate that uh, or trying to. Um, that old Hollywood voice, you don't, I feel like you don't hear a lot of that anymore. The, the transatlantic, not just like, not just like the, uh, 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 the parody transatlantic, but you, when you actually listen to the little ways that Humphrey Bogart or uh, Cary Grant talk, um, not all of it is like the stereotype transatlantic. Some of it's just like, uh, you might even hear them in interviews talk a certain way. And you don't hear a lot of voices like that in a lot of media now. I, no, I it, like. it's funny you mentioned Bogart because I was watching Casablanca you know, for the first time ever. And I, I didn't notice like how like the Humphrey Bogart impression is bullshit because he didn't really talk like that at all. Like where did people get that? I don't understand that. Imitation, imitation of imitation. Like it's um like a lot, a lot of impressions will, will be sometimes remembered more so than the actual uh, performance, which is why I've always been curious about checking out more of Humphrey Bogart's work. I actually have never seen Casablanca, but I'd love oh, it's to. Really, it's really because good. Humphrey Bogart is considered one of the greatest actors. No, of, he's of he's not even the best actor in the movie. Claude Rains is like was fucking awesome in that. Claude Rains is oh my god, I love him so much in that movie. He's amazing. Who does Claude Rains play in that? Um, he was the French uh, French guy. Um, Louis. He was Louis. I'm gonna have to check that out and look for a guy named Louis. Uh, yeah, he's 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 the he's the guy who's like this is the beginning of the beautiful friendship at the end of the movie. But he mm. like like I know because you haven't seen the movie, but like he is like one of the best supporting characters in all of cinema. He is just so oh I can't I really can't imagine anyone else in the role. He's just so good, so good. Damn <laughs> hey it! Now I gotta now I gotta see Casablanca because <laughs> uh, that, that that always comes up i i do often hear like humphrey bogart's name come up when it comes to like uh like um, uh historically great actors and um uh, he's someone i meant to check out because you know like the transatlantic accent has a reputation and there are a lot of you know actors you might see that have that sort of tangent to them but uh there's some people that i just think are phenomenal for their time um oh um oh gosh what's his name uh did you ever see Lawrence of Arabia? Uh, Peter O'Toole? Peter O'Toole. Yeah, I think he did great in that movie. Oh, he's amazing. He's Actually. amazing in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, would, I would credit other actors in there too. But um, the, the movie the movie itself is progressive in a certain way where it's one of the few movies of its time that portrayed uh, Middle Eastern characters not as caricatures, as complex and, and uh, multiverse um beings you know like uh uh but uh like you know um, aside from that it, 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 there are actors who do great in the movie given the material they work with uh although they are you know englishmen playing middle eastern characters and that's kind of a uh, a different uh tangent altogether but um <laughs> yeah God. so but like uh there, there are good performances in there regardless of that fact which should not be overlooked but uh peter o'toole and I, I can i could say uh like he has like the little delicacies of of those older acting performances um do you suppose that is acting evolving 
God, that's really hard to say. That's is there something that's... lost along the way? Because you got because today you still have great performances. Uh, but is there something that uh, we like, would want to bring back from something from Peter O'Toole or Humphrey Bogart? Because because here's the thing: like when I was watching Casablanca, I was just so engulfed in the story and the acting. I forgot, like you know, that was Humphrey Bogart. I forgot. Like I, I shit you not, I had no idea that was Claude Rains playing Lewis. Because I'm like, oh, who is this guy? Because his performance was just so captivating and just so well done i was like who is this guy i gotta look it up and it's like claude rains the invisible man and played he played lewis what and it just blew my mind because <laughs> but nowadays it's like you know my here's the problem i think is my problem with a lot of performances nowadays is actors aren't allowed to play characters anymore everyone's just like an extension of themselves i'm just like i don't like that can we just play characters like, isn't that the whole point of acting? I don't want just an extension of myself. I want, you know, just a complete transformation, a complete 180 from from who I am as a person, you know? I Well, a lot acting in general, um, from what I picked up from, you know, in, in my journeys is, as I try to build on my own skills and a lot of the – because as a, as a voice actor, a lot of the skills I picked up from were – a lot of the skills I picked up were from acting classes, like in monologues, theater, um, because that involved using more of yourself. That involved touching into your personal tool set. There is the, the, the journey into acting does involve using yourself and, uh, and, and come and bring yourself as you are. The manipulation of your interaction, the interaction with the audience and your interaction with um, the person in the scene. Um, this, I'm talking specifically about theater here. Um, like, there's a there's a minor interaction with the audience because they they are not the most important person in the scene. The most important person in a scene, in acting in general, is the other person because everything you do, everything you would do, uh, involves a certain objective. Like, if it's a romantic interest in a scene, you want to do something that impresses them, or maybe you're the jealous boyfriend and you want them to. Um, you know, adhere to your to your desires there, or it's your best friend who you caught cheating on your wife, and what you want is revenge. What you want is explanation. What you feel is sadness. What you want is to know you're hurt, and all almost all that acting is reacting, and um, the relationship we would ha- the minor relationship the minor relationship one would have with an audience is knowing that you want someone to hear what you are saying, you want you are feeling rather, um. Because uh, in, in a theater, you in, in, in a theater, because I, I don't have any theater experience. I, I've taken classes that involve reading from theater monologues, but um, uh, who I am engaged with, the I'm not engaged with the audience. I I would be engaged with whoever I'm talking to. Which even during a monologue, you're still kind of talking to somebody. If you're monologuing about uh, uh, somebody who you have this passionate hate for. You would you you may be talking to somebody who you want to know that you have th- these feelings with, or maybe even to the person that you can, you know, manipulate that kind of emotion for. Um, I, I couldn't tell you specifically, professionally, uh, how how close or intimate one would be with the audience when performing in a scene. What I do know is that whatever you're doing, you are bringing yourself into it. You are, in a sense, bringing yourself into it, and the things that you change involve your name. Uh, who you are, what, what, where you're from, where you desire. It's all the, all, all the W questions like who, what, where, when, um, 
Why are you doing it? What do you want? Um, who are you speaking to? All that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's true. But I mean, you just... I think my problem is like when it comes to certain actors nowadays, I mean, not, and again, all that stuff I'm saying is, um, all that stuff I'm saying is from like, from the very little experience I'd have had with theater. Uh, but, uh, the, the skills of acting translate in other places. So me being more in touch with myself and my toolbox, uh, has helped me with on screen performance that I would do sometimes with my voice acting. And it always pertains to utilizing your personal toolbox it always pertains to knowing what your emotions are and how you would use it in a particular situation with a ter- with a certain mindset with a certain person and that's what translates so when it comes to the modern trope of like acting today um that might be people may not feel as inclined to be a character because maybe they're just um uh like like uh Chris Pratt you know like Chris Pratt may be typecast to be Chris Pratt you know so he doesn't have to do uh, too much changing in terms of external features or anything like that. But uh, if a character is invested, they don't may not have to be uh, changing a lot. A good example, I think, of somebody who doesn't have to change their voice a whole lot in, or like their, their whole dynamic. A character is made out of BoJack Horseman, even though if I sat down and think about it, I remember it's Will Arnett. But BoJack Horseman is such a fleshed out and wonderful character to follow. Not wonderful for what he does or what he sometimes gets in trouble for, but wonderful in terms of his craft, in terms of what kind of stories he's telling as he exists. Um, and that's Will Arnett. And I have to remember it's Will Arnett because if I have to rest development, I know that's Will Arnett because I can see him, I can hear him, and he's great in Arrested development, but I know it's Will Arnett. If I'm watching the Lego movie, I, I, he does a great Batman, but I still kind of know it's Will Arnett. Um, with BoJack Horseman, that was a performance that just took me away. His entire duration being on that show, I never thought of him as Will Arnett. I always thought of him as BoJack Horseman. Oh, no. I mean, Free Burrito is like one of the greatest episodes of any form of medium because it's just... It's just one long monologue, and it's just so beautifully done, and I'm just like in awe just sitting here thinking about it because it's like it is just one long 26-something minute monologue about life and death and you know coming to terms with you know the death of a person who you no longer recognize and you know you no longer, you don't have any fond memories of. I know Bo- Bojack Horseman is great. It's a it's a great show. It's funny you mentioned that episode. I I have been rewatching BoJack Horseman recently with friends, and I am so excited to get to that episode again because yes, it's such a that that's when I when, when I think about like what 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 I would like to see more of in you know acting tropes of today. Like that's that's a scene that captures that. That is a that is an authentic natural read. And it goes through all the all the hills and valleys of a character's emotional state. Like the whole thing about I see you is not only just funny, but it's I can understand the entire journey that goes into that kind of discovery. No, and it's brilliant because it's, you know, you would think, you know, again, not to not to get into heavy spoilers, but you would think that. You know, you would think that 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 this person's funeral wouldn't be sad because you know they were a horrible person and you know <laughs> who who is a character we love to hate, but 
it just turns out to be one of the most depressing episodes of the entire <laughs> of the entire um, <laughs> series because. Again, I don't want to get into too much into it because it's too much getting into spoiler territory. But no, but I totally get you. The, the 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 show that show holds nothing back when it comes to its emotional punches, and that is what I've. It, it does it extremely well because any any show could try to you know try and throw like hard hitting truths at you, but the way it executes it is so authentic, and I really appreciate its writing. I really appreciate the way they wrote the characters, the way they directed their performances. It's just great. That is a show where I know I, I've come to grow to understand these characters, what their desires are, what their complexities are, what their flaws are. And when they get into a room together, I believe those performances because their focus is on that other person, on, on each other. And the dynamics they have are easy to see and they're easy to feel because of the way they're written the way that they interact with each other and that that has a lot to do with the the actors themselves because that's they they really they really made that show work so well because of how authentic um they they portray their characters yeah and that's why i get so pissy when someone's like oh why do they hire celebrities to be in these shows i'm like have you watched bojack horseman because a lot of those (laughs) voices are celebrities but they do a fantastic fucking job and i can't I honestly can't imagine anyone else playing Bojack other than Will Arnett. Will Arnett, I'm sorry. Like I really can't. Will Arnett does fantastic with Bojack Horseman, and uh, the other um, the other character, uh, Aaron Paul as Todd, who you know starts out as like a sort of comic. He's always consistently a comic relief, but also he ends up <laughs> having tremendous growth as a character, especially towards the third season. Um, I think, yeah, like around the third or fourth season is where you, I mean, you already see like the hints of him kind of growing as a character, but three and four are like where you really get into um, the grid of, uh, of not just, he's not just like a side piece comedy bit. He is a living, breathing being, which is why Bojack Horseman to me is the anti-sitcom. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's functionally a situational comedy. But the way it's thematically, it's everything a sitcom isn't. Where sitcoms, everything is fixed by the end of the episode. Uh, every decision, every choice, every action that happens since the beginning of that show uh, has a consequence. And they may be hidden for a while and show up way later, but they will come back. And people remember. Characters remember things. Again, a huge credit to the writing and a huge credit to the actors for making those decisions feel like they have weight. Oh, no. Like the final confrontation, which is what essentially is the final, you know, the main antagonist of the show, a character who who is not rarely who, who, who up until this point was just a background character who only had like a couple lines felt really amazing because it's like. Holy shit! It's it's finally happening. It that that's one of the, that's one of those moment moments that hits you that, holy shit! This has been it's been leading up to this, and it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel pulled out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh man, I'm I, as I'm revisiting as I'm revisiting that show. I um, I'm I'm rebuilding up to those moments and going through it all again is. I don't expect it to hurt any less to go through all that stuff, but it's like, it's so impactful. I think it does such a great job at, you know, facing harsh realities and uh, confronting some of the more uncomfortable feelings that come with uh, our lives. 
Also, it's the only show I can think of that made Henry Winkler and Weird, Weird Al Yankovic depressing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and J.K. Simmons uh, is, uh, he's the turtle tortoise. <laughs> oh, he's great. He's great in that. He's, he's great. great. What? Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> what? Yeah, they, they don't hold back on any of the commentary on Hollywood and how Hollywood sensationalizes its celebrities, how it um, treats um, I think it was in season three where they're doing the thoughts and prayers thing. It's like, that's such like a, it's very sardonic, but it's, it's got something to say about the way, uh, the, how like etiquette over action and principle, um, is superseded when it comes to maintaining a certain reputation. It's not limited to people who are celebrities. It's people are in society are encouraged to, um, you know, facilitate a presentation of themselves without, you know, really being in touch with how they actually feel about it. Cause you know, like if, when surrounded by tragedy um, in the world, you, you like people can, you know, they can, you know, pretend to, to, to have like, when, when they talk about, I'm sorry, I keep pausing in between uh, um, with, with the thoughts and prayers thing. Like it, that, that particularly is, it's, it's funny, not because of what they're talking about in the show, but it's funny because that's reflective of the way that people in a way, put on a show of empathy as opposed to actually changing the dynamics that make those terrible events happen. That requires a lot of self-reflection as a society to make that possible. And it's not something that one person alone can do, but everyone together seems to be willfully ignorant on those changes that are necessary. Yeah, because especially when it comes to the scene where it's like, oh, you know, there's been another mass shooting. Where is it taking place in a mall? And it's like, no, we just set our movie in a mall. What do we do now? And it's just, I mean, it just goes to show like it's not, you know, they don't care about like the, you know, human life that was lost. It's just, you know, hey, we got this movie. We got to, we got to, we got to, you know, sell to the public and, and, and you know, going back to you know, going to the you know Secretariat plot subplot. One of my favorite subplots in the in the entire series is you know Bojack wants to you know break out and become be considered a serious actor, so he stars in Secretariat, which is supposed to be this like big drama. Doesn't work out. They replace him with a CG <laughs> with a CGI um, a CGI uh, actor, and you know the film is critically acclaimed but at the end of the day it's just a product you know to to the hollywood studios it's not you know it's not treated as this like passion project that both you know it's not treated anything more than just another product that they can shit out and sell to sell to people for oscar season and that's that's in, that's interesting in terms of real that's interesting in terms of real life discussions involving the use of dead dead actors in movies for today um uh with with express permission they got the rights to use um peter cushing's character of grand moff tark grand moff tarkin in rogue one star wars um bruce lee is used in those uh like it was it's a car commercial or like a liquor commercial they they brought back bruce lee for uh like his his face digitally for certain stuff and then there's the ethics question of, like, is that right to do? If the, if the family says it's okay, even then is it right to do? And the discussion that's been going around in the voiceover community is augmented 
voiceover. Somebody takes your speech pattern and then they can just use that instead of the actor. Our actor is still going to be relevant. Our actor is still going to be able to be compensated if their voice itself is used as opposed to them performing it. Yeah, no, uh, honestly, that's scary because it's, you know, you know, these, especially when it comes to long uh, char- people who've been playing characters for like 20 plus years, what happens when they pass away? Do they get a successor or, you know, do they go the air, the air, the a, a, the AI route? Yeah. I don't know to what extent uh, AI is going to be a part of that discussion. Uh, there's a lot of people who are worried that it might come sooner than we think. And there are people who are worried that it will come at all. I, I fear that it may be on the table at some point. As a matter of fact, I remember reading into, um, well, I mean, that might, I have an idea, an example uh, from The Mandalorian, and I don't know if I want to give spoilers about it. Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, spoiler warning, I guess, <laughs> for if you haven't seen I, it. I, I don't have to say that one, but I'll say, like, in, it, I will be talking about The Mandalorian, and anyone who's seen The Mandalorian will know what I'm talking about. But um, someone who is not able to do a certain voice anymore uh, was brought back with, was brought back with that voice using, I found out AI technology. And it's fascinating because you don't even have to be the same. You don't even have to be dead for someone to want to use your voice. If say like you're older and they want you, they want your sound when you were younger, say they got Harrison Ford and they need him to sound younger. They use AI to, uh, replicate his speech from older footage with his voice, you know, older archives. And um, I don't know how how the payout would work. Uh, I don't know how how much one's voice is worth. I don't know if you could put a number to that, you know, who can and who decides. I had no idea they actually did that. To be quite honest, that that is that, that sounds. I remember looking into it. If someone wants to, like, I'm pretty sure that's what they did because um, they made a credit. I'm like, but that doesn't make sense now. That shouldn't be possible now. That sh- that is, however, possible if they did a certain way. And from what I found, they did do it a certain way that involved AI. That's pretty fucked up. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, the, they, they, uh, they, the person involved knew full well about it. Or they knew full well about, like, their, their, um, their bringing back. And um, so it's um, – yeah. but, but, like, you know, wh- when, does, when does it stop, really? Like, I get that, you know, you want an actor to sound younger because they're playing a younger version of themselves. But it was – is, is – um... Is that sort of thing real ne- really necessary? Because I don't know how I feel about that. That sounds so weird to me. I think I found it. Yeah, yeah. I found. I found. Yeah. So I found the site that talks about it. Um, the uh, there's like AI techniques used to produce uh, synthetic speech, uh, and that was to recreate the sound of a person who is still alive today, but you know is older and sounds different. So. Um, it's interesting. I'm sure that I'm sure they worked it out. There's some sort of fee. There's some sort of license to do that. Um, and that, that, that and that really comes down to if the person's OK with it. it. It makes a bit more sense if they're alive for them to be able to talk it out like, hey, um, if you're going to use my voice for something, uh, I want royalties for it. That only makes 
sense. If not a buyout, then at least royalties. Or in the case of Toy Story 4, just reuse like old clips of Don Rickles and just use that for Toy Story 4, which I thought was really disgusting because... Like, come on, guys. You know, he he passed away like a year. And I understand, like, you know, they could have just they could have just recast. They didn't have to do that. That was just really disgusting. They did that for Slinky, didn't they? No, Slinky they, was recast. Yeah, Slinky was recast. And, and instead of recasting, you know, Mr. Potato Head, they're just like, ah, we're going to use AI to, to, you know, to finish all the stuff that yeah. he couldn't finish. I'm just like, that's that's really disgusting. I don't like that. They they get very protective. Uh, yeah, the, the big guys will always get very protective of that consistency and uh, not trying to break away from people's expectations. They, they'll get very scared of that. Uh, so they'll be too afraid to um, deviate from that. Um, there's, you know, like usually you'll hear people, um, there, a discourse will happen when, say, like uh, if someone passes or someone steps down, if there's a new voice and people are like, oh, I like the original voice better or this voice sucks. Or, and it's, it's and like, I don't have gloves for that fight. I'm not one to say whether or not somebody does or does not fit a role. I've been seeing a lot of that recently in certain media, and I don't participate in it because I don't think, um, I don't think one character can only be played one way uh, with one voice. You know, like there are ones that we're going to favor to, ones we're going to identify with. Some things will be tied to either for nostalgia or for because we personally find it aesthetically pleasing or we find it personally accepting for the character. But I have to, you know, take the word that the directors involved felt that the person captured the voice well enough, that they captured the voice of somebody that they heard in their head and want to make it a reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's always a tough choice when it comes to. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, everyone has their favorites, and when when it, I understand it, when it, when a certain character gets recast, people you know moo about it. But at the end of the day, it's it's what it's what the casting directors and uh, wanted, and there you go. Like you know, if you're gonna get mad at anybody, get mad at the casting directors for going with someone else instead of you know your preferred choice. But even getting mad at it at all, you know, it's just, you know, people like if you have something to say about the performance and you don't like the performance, that that's one thing. It's it's not like an entitlement thing, though. It shouldn't be like, oh, because I don't like this particular uh, uh, voice, it should be somebody else. Like it's not it's not about favoritism. It's about what um, people want out of their product, out of their art. Um, when it comes to uh, Mr. Potato Head, like using the uh, the older clips, uh, I don't know off the top of my head if they had discussed about reusing the clips or the, uh, about the rights to that audio, despite his, uh, despite his passing. If they talked to his family about it, I don't I don't know anything about that. I c- I can understand the logic behind it. Um, maybe he was contractually already signed on. I, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to try and make a defense for it. Cause if, if they went, if they did something backhanded along the way, then I, I, uh, I like that at all. If like his family's like, if he, if, if, if he was like, yeah, if anything ever happened to me, feel free, go ahead. Or if his family was like, yeah, it's okay. He probably would have said, yeah, like, I would take their word on it. Um, but it's, it's, it gets complicated because, we're we're in a time now where people are trying to reckon we're we're really trying to reassess our values and the label we put into the things we love and 
people are opening their eyes to a lot of the ways that, you know, corporations are kind of trying to make a buck out of you without you getting much of the cut. So are, there's a lot of efforts to bring some of that value back to those who make that product possible, getting more fair pay for voice actors, um, giving fair pay and credit to artists. Um, and it's, 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 that's kind of like an uphill battle, but it's, you know, it's a hill that's gotta be climbed if people want to be uh, seen for the labor they put into things. Yeah. Could not agree more. Anyway, we've been talking for um, an hour and 34 minutes now, so... Really? <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Um, I had fun. I hope you had, I, I, I hope you didn't mind my rambling here. <laughs> no, no, it's great, man. I, I needed, like, stimulating conversation after a couple of days I've had. A- anyway, uh, before we get going, uh, is there any anywhere people can find you online to bother you? Oh, by all means, uh, feel free to check me out on my Twitter. I have a lot of my uh, promotions and shenanigans there, some memes I share. You can find me at Tom S. The Voice, or you can type in Tom Schalk, S-C-H-A-L-K. It is chalk with an S in front of it. That's what I tell people. Um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at the same username, which is T-Shalk10. T-S-Chalk10, I've heard people say. Um which is caught on sometimes more often than not. Um, so yeah, TS Chalk 10. Uh, and you can find my, my video sketches and some of my voiceover promotions there as well. Um, or if you want to check out my demos and my work history, you could go to my website at www.tomshawkarts.com. All right. Thanks for taking the time up to do this. I had, I had a, a lot of fun. And if you ever want to do it again, you know, you know where to find me. <laughs> Sounds great, man. Thank you again for having me on. Thank you again for having me on the show. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.